on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There is Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Yeah, we're back. Great to have your company. This is the clubhouse right around Australia talking all things golf. Wherever you might be listening on this great golfing weekend, it's a bit cold, it's a bit wet, but hey, golf still gets around. My name's Julian Bayard. Mark Allen is here, back from holidays. Nice to see you, Jules. Marco, you look good, tanned, hey, refreshed. I'm glad you're playing golf. I yeah. wouldn't play golf at all in the weather we've got down here in Melbourne, but there's some amazing performances from last week, yep. including a 41-pointer uh, well. from the host of the clubhouse. 41 well done, Marco. points. Well done. No, you, mate. Well done to you. What's the handicap down to now? Uh, 7.8. Yeah. 7.8! Mm, it's a bit scary. We're getting serious it's now. Scary. 41 points. Came Congratulations, point. mate. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well done to you. Almost cheating, I reckon, though, because we were playing. It was a bit wet. Uh, yeah. We had one hole where it rained. We were very yeah. lucky. Yeah, uh, yeah. played early in the week. And um, it's the old ball up theory. As you, as you, you play it up. You yeah. play it up. So, um, you, so can you can pick the ball up, clean and it. drop. And just or place. Pl- place it. Yeah, play the ball up. Beautiful. In a hand span. Can and, I tell um, you something? You sit that... it right up. I tell you what, it's, it's genuinely almost cheating. How much that. difference does that make oh, when you've you got like a six iron or a three iron mm. or a chip? The chip is the, the one. The chip's the best bit. If you can just put the ball up on a tee, basically, yep. just find the best bit of lie, the best bit of grass in that little... Is it a handspan that you do it yep. with, or a club? so within the handspan? It is amazing how much different the game, how much different the game can be. Can I tell you a little secret? Not many people know this. Yeah. Al Guyberger. It's not going to be a secret for much longer. Al Guyberger credited with uh, shooting the first fifty-nine in the history of the U.S. Tour. Right. It's a pretty muddy week that week. Was it? Yeah, it was oh, a no. very, very <laughs> muddy, wet week, and the ball was being played up. So. Not many people know. So I'll leave it up to you to decide yep. whether it is a true 59. Yeah. Well, mine wasn't a if, true 41, so if I'm If you are playing it. the ball up. <laughs> so, you know, it, it is a big, it's a big difference. Yep. It is a very, very big difference. It's but still, Particularly around the greens when it's wet and you can yeah. just fly a nice little loft wedge to within yep. a metre of the hole and it just stops. It's only so. half the game shooting 59. So we'll give him, because you still got to hold the putts. No matter That's how true. big the lines That's are, you still got to hold the putts. But... It certainly helps you from tee to green, mm. the ability to play the ball up on the fairway. Yep. There's mud on your ball, clean, a beautiful clean ball to hit every time. Yes. But more importantly, that lie, that beautiful lie that you can just yep. negotiate yourself. Absolutely. It's pretty handy. Very nice. Yeah. It's yeah, very yeah, nice. Yeah. Now, uh, you Bali over the last week. Yeah, Bali's Big good. thanks to Craig Spence who came in and filled How'd in. How'd he go? Brilliant job. Good man, Craigie Spence. Brilliant job. Told us some of these uh, biggest tips and tricks and uh, some of the things he sees from real rookie sort of work. Rookie work? Does the he? Week. It was very fun. My personal favourite was at the uh, Albert Park driving range. People who go up to the second level and take yeah. their buggies up there, <laughs> up the stairs. <laughs> Hilarious. It was very good. Yeah, very good. just recently, because, I mean, if you don't know who Craig Spence is, he, he was a very, very, very good professional golfer. Mm. I mean, on the, on the Australian Tour, he won the... 99 Australian Masters, beating Greg Norman. Yep. And basically, just you know, it was just match play. Him and Greg playing in the same group, uh, the last group of, of, of that Masters that year. He lost in a playoff to Brett Rumford um, in the Players' Championship, when the Players' Championship was a big one down here. Mm-hmm. Brett Rumford was an amateur. Not many people remember that Aaron Badley won the week before as an amateur at the Australian Open. Right. Brett Rumford won the very next week as an amateur in the Players' Championship, beating Craig Spence. So he might have lost the trophy, but he got the big check. Um, and he played on the U.S. Tour for a couple of years as well, exempt on the U.S. Tour. So he was one of the best hitters of a golf ball that I have yeah. ever 
seen. And I, you know, I grew up with and played with the guys like Appleby and, and Allenby. I saw them play a lot of amateur golf when I was coming through mm-hmm. as well. But Craig Spence hit the ball better than all those guys. Yep. He did. He, he hit the ball better than Bradley. He hit the ball better than Bradley Hughes. He hit the ball better than all the good kids that I grew up with coming through. Craig Spence, you've just never seen anyone hit the ball like this kid. Mm. He did it with ease yep. as well. He was a beautiful player as a kid. and Unfortunately, just got... Uh, Got the heebie-jeebies with the short game. Yep, that'll happen. <laughs> it does. Oh, no. It does, unfortunately. Yep. But he's a good man. Did you get on the get on any golf courses over there in Bali? No, I left the golf clubs behind. Although where we stayed, they had a chipping green, so we stayed at the yeah. Ungasan Clifftop Resort. Yeah. Google that if you get the chance. U N G Ungasan. U N G S A N or something. I don't know how it works out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> U- That'll get it played again. U-N-G-A-S-A-N. <laughs> yeah. That'll do me. Um, go- Google that. Yeah. It is just unbelievable. They've got a little chipping green there, so I end up giving a lot of golf lessons, <laughs> chipping lessons, unfortunately, for the week. Paid for your trip. <laughs> <laughs> with the people we're staying with. So that was okay, but no, I left the golf clubs at home. But there's some good courses there. Oh, I mean, yeah. I keep on seeing some of the, the pitches floating around. Yep. I know, you know, we played a tournament in Bali. It's always a story. We yeah. played a tournament in Bali... 25 years ago yep. that, I, that, I, that I played in. And Nick Feldo was playing this tournament and he was leading by six shots with uh, six holes to play. So he's, he's home. He's past the post. Mm. Absolutely home. Anyway, um, Craig Parry was playing in one of the groups behind and, and played with Feldo on the day before, on the Sunday. And um, Parry put his hand up for a ruling. He was a stone behind his ball. And Trevor Hurden came across and said, hey, I'm just going to take a drop. I'm just going to get rid of this stone from behind my ball in the bunker. And Trevor said, no, mate, it's not a European event. It's a, it's an Aussie event this week. You can't do it. You've got to play the ball. And Pazzas looked at Trevor Hurden and said, well, Feldo did it yesterday. He said, what? He said, Nick Feldo did it yesterday. He goes, did he really? So Trevor Hurden, who was the tournament you know, yeah. director, the official... He had to go to Nick Feldo, Ooh. and on the, I think it was like the 13th tee, after Nick finished out, went up to Nick. Nick's got a six-shot lead with six to play. said, Nick, did you lift a stone from behind the ball yesterday? He said, yeah, do all the time. Yes, well, I'm very sorry, but you're disqualified. <laughs> so he had to disqualify oh. Nick Feldo. Nick Feldo just walked off in disgust. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. Amazing story. So that was the only other time I'd been in Bale. I didn't see one thing. Mm. I, only, I only stayed in the resort. It was so hot that week. Yep. Um, and this time around, I didn't I didn't get to see any of the other golf courses. But, you know, every, everybody tells me that the golf courses over played, there um, are magnificent. Of course, in little um, gated community called New Cooter. New, New, New Cooter. So it's south. Bits further south, right down towards Uluwatu. Uluwatu, yeah, and um, magnificent course played there a couple of years ago. Is that the one with the with? There's there's one golf course there, and forgive me because I don't know the name, but there's they always show this one picture of a hole. It's just a beautiful on part three on the cliff. Yeah, is it that one? Yep. Yeah. Well, what well, that course looks amazing, yeah. and people have told me that's a ripper. Yep. It's a good one. The some good courses over there. Yeah. Did you bring your clubs or did you nah, borrow hide, some? hide them? And or were they like? Well, now it's always important to know yeah. what the high clubs are like. They were a set of Callaways. Yeah, I'd very say, nice. Good they, start. they sort of fitted me up before I got there, and Beautiful. got the um, the cart and the caddy on the back who is just extraordinarily good. Yeah, they're great. And um, you, you're looking at the green and you're like, oh, I reckon you know maybe two cups of yeah. two cups borrow right to left, and she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> left side, left side. And you're like, really? And you say so you hit it over there, sure enough. Yeah, that's and right. you're like, oh wow. Did I'm you understand really... the grain? 
Because, you know, so many people, yeah. people in Queensland will know what I'm talking about, and maybe there's a few in New South Wales. Yeah. Virtually nobody in Victoria understands grain unless you're playing. Did you understand no, the grain? No idea. Yeah. No. It's hard. It's because you can actually have a putt where you look at it and go, well, gravity tells me. And yeah. the slope of this, the slope of this putt, and gravity tells me it's going to be a right to left putt. But those caddies know that they if know. the grass is growing the other yeah. way, <laughs> it's, it's not a right to left putt. Yep. It's a go left center. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how They're it works. Great. It is amazing how it works, and the caddies are great. So if you play anywhere where they've got Bermuda greens, mm. get the caddy. Yeah, otherwise you just won't understand what's going on. And for fast and slow, I mean, there's yeah, absolutely. those those greens are so two paced. Queensland greens are two paced. You know, we put down here on Power greens or or bent greens in Victoria. Pretty much, no matter where you go, pretty much they're at the same pace. But if you play on these Bermuda greens, you can have a flat putt, and you can putt it one way, and it'll feel like the ball's rolling at about nine. Mm. And you putt down grain the other way, same putt, flat surface, it'll feel like it's running at twelve. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. You really have to know. And, and the guy, what always amazed me is that I always had to kind of go up to the hole and see where the grain was. Because if you look at the hole, you'll see one part of the hole that's cut away. And you know that that's what that, that wherever the hole is cut away yep. uh, or eaten away, it looks like, that's the way the grain's going. Mm-hmm. But Queenslanders can just look at the colour and look at the, the different shines. Yeah, right. So they've just grown up on it. They <laughs> understand know. it. They get it. They just look at the shine and the colour of the shine and they know whether it's a diagonal into, diagonal down, left to right, right to left, straight into. They just know. Instinct. It's amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a clue about any of that no, stuff. I, I never got to that level. No. But yeah, in, in the end. Look at it and go, yeah, that, the ground is sloped that way. <laughs> but <laughs> it's going to go up the it. slope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, gravity doesn't work here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, Bermuda Green's good fun. Hey, yeah. what did you make of Jason Day? Um, well, first of all, D- Dustin Johnson. Well, Dustin Johnson's closing in on Jason Day. <laughs> well, 19, number two now. 19 weeks at number one he's been, Jason. Day, yeah. uh, Dustin Johnson is now number two. Yeah. All this talk about the big three, the big four. Well, mm. Dustin Johnson's just rolled in, well, gone bang. He's the ultimate driving machine. I mean, yeah. he's the best driver of a golf ball I've seen since Greg Norman was. I mean, he, he dominates that stat these days. I mean, Rory McIlroy, I think, is the leader in strokes strokes gained driving. Mm-hmm. But with confidence, I mean, last week at Firestone Country Club, it's a really tight golf course. Once upon a time, you know, Tiger won eight or nine times there, but played pretty conservative off the tee. No one plays conservative anymore. They just bomb the golf ball. But one of the great things about what Dustin Johnson is achieving at the moment, he has a really shut club face, and there's been a million articles and commentary about the shut club face. But what he is doing is with that shut club face, he's hitting fades. Now, what that does is, because the club face is shut coming down and then remains open mm. through the ball, it stays square for a long time in the hitting area, in impact, where the people who draw the ball, you know, you've really got to roll the club face. So a lot of it becomes down to timing because you've just got, when you're rolling the club face to hit that draw, you've got to time it just right. But Dustin Johnson, he's hitting the ball one million miles and he is <laughs> keeping his club face square through impact. Yeah. So the advantage of what he is doing, I mean, everyone wants to hit a draw in the amateur game because you get that little bit extra distance, right. which, which is true. Yes. But Dustin Johnson, all the pros, you know, because they've got so much distance, the pros, they, don't need it. they all want to hit fades. Mm-hmm. But not many of them can really do it properly. But Dustin Johnson, he's hitting, you know, he's hitting drives of 360 mm-hmm. yards with a, with a general fade. Yeah, it's extraordinary. It is, mate, it is extraordinary yeah. what he is doing. Now, there is no doubt in my mind that technology has a massive part to do with this because you can actually, you know, you can build a, you can build a driver these days that doesn't spin 
you know, even even if you are hitting fades, once yeah. upon a time with a persimmon club or even if you had the steel shafted, steel headed club, if you're hitting fades, the ball just spun more. And then, of course, it took a lot off it. But these days, you've got guys who are hitting power fades, and they are power fades. I mean, you're not getting any, um, you know, you're not getting any less spin, uh, any more spin by hitting the fade. So the ball's going just as far, yeah. and you are able to keep the club face squarer through impact. Dustin Johnson is achieving this and achieving it with length that we, you know. Don't see too often. No. Just you know, Rory McIlroy hits big draws. Uh, when Jason Day's on, basically he's hitting big draws. Dustin Johnson is hitting it past them both, <laughs> and he's hitting it do with with a, with a fade. So it's incredible what he's doing. He's a good putter. Um, I think at the U.S. Open they were saying that from eighty to one hundred and twenty-five yards, he's number one on yeah. tour for getting it close to the hole. So he's the ultimate driving machine, the pincher line, yeah. and and he's also stiffening it with the wedges. Yep. He's going to be a hard man to beat now that he's got his head on straight. And what we saw, you know, what we saw, his mind is now capable of at the mm. U.S. Open. If he's able to replicate oh. that in tournaments, you know, down the track, you know, we're going to be at Royal Troon That's next right. week. And if he can get off the tee the way he is at the moment, there, oh, imagine how good he's going to be. He could be unbeatable. All, the only thing that was holding him back was, you know, his head. Yep. I mean, he was a Ferrari. Yeah. With a Volkswagen <laughs> engine there for a little while, but now he's a Ferrari. And he's starting. He's probably got a Mercedes Benz head. Yeah. You know, he's he's just he's flying yep. at the moment, and two wins in a row, and so he should. Jason Day, Ooh, what do we make? What do we make of it? It's hard to criticise a world number one. Yep. It is hard to criticise a bloke who has won seven times in what eighteen events yeah. or nineteen events or <laughs> whatever we, he's done. But, we're going to. <laughs> but we are going to. I still hate the fact that he goes at that driver as hard as he does. Yeah. I think it's going to hurt him in the long run. I mean, on Saturday, his putting on Saturday last week kept him in the tournament. Yep. And that's what great players do. That's right. But it would be nice to hit a few extra drives on the fairway. It would be nice. Yep. And he's not doing that. And, you know, he comes out and he says, when he's got the driver in hand, he tries to hit it as hard as he well, possibly he says, can. when I get nervous and when I worry about my driver. I just hit it harder. I just hit it as hard as I can and just... If he can make that work, that's going against yeah. 200 years of golf. <laughs> it is. It's going against... And for a little while, he was doing it. I don't, I don't think it's going to last. Yeah. I would like to see him start moving the ball a little left or right, like Dustin Johnson does. Do you think he's capable I mean, of doing that? Yeah, of course he is capable of anything. Yeah. It's but whether like he wants to. Mentally capable of doing it? Well, like changing his game at, like at that? the moment, Jason believes that if he hits the ball as hard as he can with uh, the big dog in his hand, he believes that's the best thing for his game. Until he believes it's not, then he won't. Yeah, and, and that's the bottom line. But you know, maybe when he sees Dustin, maybe if he starts playing with Dusty and starts seeing this big fade, and yeah, he knows as a golfer, he knows as well as anybody that mm. the blade stays squarer for long pa- for longer yep. in the impact area. Maybe if he plays with Dusty, you know, usually that's what changes you as a golfer. Yeah, you, know, you might believe something for a long, long time. Like for a long for for the longest time, I didn't believe in a five wood or a hybrid. I was a two-iron guy. Yep. It wasn't until I started playing with a few guns who had a five-wood and the hybrid in their bag, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should change. And, you know, for the longest time, no, I'm not. I'm yeah. a two-iron man. Yep. But it wasn't until you see blokes use a hybrid or use a five-wood um, and you can see it and you go and, you know, all of a sudden you go and fiddle, have a look in the bag and take the five-wood out and go, oh, this is a little bit shorter than normal <laughs> and it doesn't have 22 degrees loft. It's got 17 degrees loft. 
ah, things start to change and crystallise. And, you know, I've been a five-wood man for a long time now. Yep. I mean, I've, I'm a big believer in the club. five. It's my favourite club. Yep. It's exactly right. 100% it's my favourite club. It's your favourite club too. Yeah, without any doubt. But, I mean, yep. For most people, it should be. Yep. If you can get a short five-wood in the bag with about 18 degrees, I mean, for pros, 17 or 18 degrees, but for most, a 20-degree five-wood, oh, if you can get a short 20-degree five-wood in the bag, Forget about the three iron, forget about the two iron, forget about your four wood. The five wood is a real handy club. Out of rough, everywhere. Oh, out yeah. of rough, out of bad lies, and getting the ball up in the air, making the ball stop on the green. Let me tell you what's, tell you what's really handy with your five wood, Marco. What's that? You're playing in the wet and you can just place it on a yeah. nice little top. <laughs> playing the, the ball up, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. The five wood is an absolute hey, dream. We've got to get to a break. Uh, lots more still to come on the clubhouse. We're going to talk about Greg Chalmers' yeah. win. 386 starts before Amazing. his first PGA Tour One of win. the champs, too. We, every, everyone loves him. We'll talk about that brilliant win right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. Yeah, welcome back to the clubhouse across Australia. Mark Allen and Julian Bayard with you. Marco is back from Bali. Looks nice and refreshing. And Jules is off 7.8, yeah. if you don't mind, don't after like a 41 point score at Beacon Hills. Even closing though you're playing your, the ball up. Closing in on your eight under course record, mate. Yeah, keep on going, mate. Keep on going. You'll get there at some stage. <laughs> Someone's got to beat that. I was using a wooden club when I shot that 40, 40 people in the field on Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. Still didn't win. <laughs> Who won? Someone off six shot uh, even par. So yeah, playing 40, the ball up. 42 points. See, playing the ball up. Kills me. Anything's possible when That's you it. play the ball up. Even a 59, L. Yep. El Guyberger, even a 59. Were you, you playing, playing the, the ball, ball up with wooden clubs back in the day when you broke that course record? Uh... I think I had one metal wood, the Mizuno uh, three wood, but uh, the driver was definitely <laughs> a car. It was a Cleveland Classic, a blonde Cleveland Classic yep. wooden club. Very nice. Yeah, it was good. Not it bad. Was good. It was good. Uh, what about Greg Chalmers? What Greg do you make Chalmers, of him? Well, I love tell, it. Tell the story. I love a good golfing story, Marco. 386 starts was the Barracuda Championships over yeah. there in Nevada. Needed a par on 18 to win. Mm. You know what he did? Uh, did he make the birdie or the eagle? He made the eagle. Made the eagle. Okay. To win the tournament. How He's much was now... the eagle worth in points? Was it um, Was it an eight-pointer for eagles? Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. Because yep. then... for people who don't know, he won with like 40. Yeah. So it doesn't sound good. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was a stable fit competition. Yep. And it was a secondary It was a secondary event to the World Golf Championship. So in their stable fit, I mean, it's very different to our stable mm-hmm. fit in this country. Their stable fit, you make a bogey, you get minus one point. Yep. A par is, you get nothing, just nothing happens. A birdie's for two points. Eagle's five points. And we think the uh, a birdie's five points. We think the eagle, it's either seven or eight points, yep. one or the other. Um should so, get rewarded more for an eagle, I reckon. Well, I reckon the what? double eagle should be like 15 points. Yeah. But in Australian Stableford. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want more? I want more for an eagle. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Ned Eagle? Yeah. Not happy with four points? No. It's pretty handy. I feel like we should get more than that. Uh, I love it. I like the way it is at the moment. <laughs> um, exempt now 2017. PGA Tour yeah, is huge. Greg and at, at 42 plays the Open Championships and the PGA Championships. Yeah, there was only one spot available at the Barracuda, and he managed to win it. I love the, what the, the Open Championship is doing now with the qualifying. Mm-hmm. It makes so much more sense. They are getting quality fields all of a sudden. Once upon a time, uh, they used to have an, an Open qualifying for anybody at Kingston Heath. Yeah, and you're getting you know, unfortunately, pro am players. It was the biggest deal for them ever. Yeah, but it was you know you. Greg Chalmers, who wins events, wasn't getting that chance. Okay. So the way they're doing it now is that uh, you know they, they might have, I don't know, let's say they've got twenty players who are already exempt for the for the Open at Royal Troon. What they'll do is if you they've got three spots available, 
if you finish in the top five of this event or the top tw- ten of this event or whatever it is, uh, the top three of those players who haven't already got a start, they'll give them a start. So, one, they're giving out starts much closer to the event. Yes. Two, um, they're giving starts in tournament conditions. So where big players, good players are actually playing. You know, when you come down to Kingston Heath and you just say, look, there's three spots available. <laughs> I mean, you had pro-am players who yeah. you know, hadn't played in the tournament for a long time having their two hot rounds of the year and playing in the Open Championship. They were actually, you know, they had their two hot rounds in January. Don't worry about the Open Championship being played in July. Mm. I mean, once upon a time, if if a Pro-Am player spent the money to go all the way over and qualify on the Sunday and Monday before the tournament, they played two good rounds there. No one's, no one better than eyelid. You're playing well and you are in. And not only are you playing well, you're playing well in tournament conditions that we're about to play. Well, um, I think they've they've made a nice change. Saying that, they still give open spots at the Australian Open. So there is always that little at the Austra- cup on the yeah. side of someone's. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. So you got guys last November. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you understand golf? Yeah. I mean, you can be you can get the shanks in a week. Yep. So they're actually be giving out spots in November. The year before, I still think that's a little bit sus. So I think they need to you know, fine-tune what they're doing. They're back on the right track, but they certainly need to fine-tune what they are doing. And all the lead-up events to an Open, whether on the European Tour, the Asian Tour, Japanese Tour, US Tour, even for you know maybe on the Web.com Tour, some of those, maybe just have those spots available within the month mm-hmm. leading up to it. I mean, ideally probably two weeks beforehand, although that stuff's up travel arrangements. But that guarantees the world-class field. Unfortunately, you know, in years gone by, uh, you might have had 30 players who just were out of their depth. Yeah. And that's no good for golf. So I think they've understood that and they're making the change. But uh, back to Greg Chalmers, fantastic what he's done. I mean, two seconds. He had a second in 2000 and a second in 2009. He's been a battler. I mean, he's been back and forth from the web.com, back to the big tour, back to the web.com. And at 42 years of age, the fact that he is now guaranteed starts and, you know, he's got a big check in his back pocket again. Um, He'll get some bonuses along the way. But he's all set at the age of 42 for the next two and a half years. So that is enormous. So he'll be out there until he's probably 45. Mm -hmm. And, look, I know... Greg, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying, but you know he's going to be a lifelong golfer now. I mean, he'll probably try and battle his way onto the seniors tour. He's playing golf for the rest of his life, and and well done to him because a lot of the guys in that situation, you know, they've done nothing but play golf. Yep. Unfortunately, when you play golf, if you end up being a hack, I've got my hand up. You've really got to battle to to enjoy the life that you're kind of used well, to. Right. Yeah. You've got to battle. You've got to find a way, one way or another. Uh, and a lot of the, unfortunately, there isn't many jobs like that. You know, they're not these beautiful jobs for guys who have only played golf these days yep. to come out and run a business. There's just not. So for him to actually win at 42, that sets his life up, I think. Yeah. a little. He's got a little bit more certainty in his life for his family and for him and everyone who knows this bloke is absolutely wrapped that that is the case because he, he wouldn't hurt a fly, mate. And when I say he wouldn't hurt a fly, he can he can turn on the sporting hate when he needs to. <laughs> you know, he, he won the Australian Open at at the Adelaide uh, at Royal Adelaide Golf Club in 1998. It's the toughest golf course we'd ever seen. Yeah. He held off Nick Feldo in 1998. Held off someone else too? Yeah, well, I, I made a little charge. Oh, I, I was close. little charge? Or well, I wasn't far in behind. our pre-production meeting over a coffee this <laughs> Today, Mark, I didn't want you to bring it up. <laughs> well, tell me what happened. 
Well, I was about I was about six back starting yeah. the day yeah. the Australian Open, and I knew it was a tough golf course. Mm-hmm. So I just you know I felt like if I could shoot an even par score, then I would make a big check. Yeah. Um, I birdied the first, then birdied the second, Ooh. and then birdied the third. On the toughest golf course anyone has ever seen. <laughs> so I had to change my strategy. So my strategy on the first tee was shoot par, win a big check. On the fourth tee, my strategy had changed so much that I was writing out my winning speech. <laughs> Unfortunately, after that, it didn't go too well. What did you do from there? <laughs> I was even par. I ended up being about even par after nine holes, and on the back nine... Um, it just seemed like I missed fairways by six inches. And if you miss fairways by six inches this week, you're in rough this yeah. you know, up to your belly button. Uh, I needed to really choke and start really spraying it out to where the people were walking around. <laughs> and then you could you could actually play the game. But I think I ended up shooting like 41 on the back nine. Oh, so 36, 41, something like that. What's that, 70, 77? Yep. Hockey sticks. That sounds mm. about right on the last day. <laughs> so I went from... Uh, Big, earning the big check to winning the tournament to just picking up about 8000 for the week, which was the disaster. Shocking. <laughs> disaster. <laughs> anyway. Did Greg win? Greg had a win. Yep. He shot even par on the toughest golf course we'd ever seen in the whole world at that stage. Some people thought it was unfair. Uh, he shot even par. No one else shot under par. Held off Nick Feldo. He can be tough when he needs to be, Greg Chalmers. Yep. And, uh, you know, you, you saw him down the stretch here. I mean, he was the toughest. he was the toughest bloke in the field in the end, and he deserved his win. Yep. Good on him. Good on him, mate. He's a great it's a putter. Good too. on him story. Yeah, he's a beautiful putter too. Have you seen him putt? Yeah. Yeah. When you look at his stats, uh, and you know, you know the stats. Fluent strokes gained. Yeah, he is fluent. It's yeah. a really good way of putting it. His rhythm when he putts is beautiful. Yep. And uh, his routine is beautiful, and you can see he's, you can see when he switched on. He's a he's a metronome. Yep. Yeah, he's would a repeating you, machine. Just quickly, before we get to a break, would you like to see more of these Stableford-type tournaments where you encourage uh, attacking golf? Not too many more. No? Yeah, not too many more. I think it's a, I think something for the Olympics, maybe? Something uh, different? No. No? No. Uh, the Olympics, is it's Mickey Mouse enough. Okay. They've Mickey Mouse themselves to death, the golf in the Olympics. Uh, I couldn't see it being any more. Although it wouldn't surprise me, and you're on the right wavelength, it wouldn't surprise me if they did because they're just searching for anything at the moment. <laughs> Golf in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, just, just some players. At yeah, some just stage. some players. <laughs> uh, just keep an eye. Something might happen soon over Westway, Western Australia. Yep. With the Stableford. It okay. might be a complete Stableford tournament, bomb. but a little uh, maybe one and two rounds, and then something else in the second and third rounds. Oh, third and fourth rounds. So. Uh, or, or something else to finish the weekend. Right. So we'll see what happens there. Don't mind it. Hey, Marco, after this, mm-hmm. getting your own putter made. Oh, yeah. People dream about this. Yeah. You know, you go online at uh, Scotty Cameron, for mm. instance, um, to buy, to get a Scotty Cameron putter. Some of them are 4000 bucks yeah. to get them personalized. <laughs> yeah. um, we see a tailor made at the moment, you know, the putter that uh, Jason Day is using. Spider. 800 bucks yep. if you want to use the same putter that the world number one is using. Uh, there's a man called Corey LaJossi. He's been doing some great work down here in Victoria. Um, while we're in the break, go to just Google LaJossi putters. It'll come up on Facebook. It'll come up his, his website. L-A- here we go again. L A J O S I. We talked about spelling. LaJossi. <laughs> Oakley Tech, mate. I went to Oakley Tech. I'm not a very good speller. Um, LaJossi Putters. Just Google LaJossi Putters yep. and have a look at his range. Um, we, we had him on during the week and he spoke about personalizing a beautiful putter. It's a nice conversation and uh, it might get you going to get out of bed and get yourself one we'll as well. We'll get to a break and we'll hear from old mate LaJossi straight <laughs> after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the club. 
Welcome back. You are with the Clubhouse. Julian Bayard is my name. Mark Allen is here. We're talking all things golf. And when it comes to getting a personalised putter, Marco, Ooh. everyone wants their name on their gear. You better believe it. I was, <laughs> I was telling you, I think before the show, I got a, I got a set of clubs made in the sport. I was a sporting player there for a little while. Yeah. And I had got a set of clubs made in the Mizuno factory. Mm-hmm. And I've had a million sets of clubs. Yeah. But I've only got two sets now. The one I use currently. Mm-hmm. And also, tailor-made, by the way. They're beautiful oh. clubs. Uh, nice little plug. Uh, and... Those club, those sporting clubs that were made in the Mizuno factory, is because they were personalised. It's, it's special. Uh, a lot of people want their putter personalised. You know, it's the club that they use on every single hole, basically. Yep. Um, and to get something that's personalised and just the way you want it, yeah, you know, it's special. They yep. have it, and you can have you, you, you can have that chance here in Australia. The, this fellow's name is Corey Lajossi. I'm not going to spell his name, but just I got it here. I got it here. Have you got it? L A J O S I La Jossie La Jossie pretty easy. Go. Just Google La Jossie, yep. you'll see his range. But have a listen to what he says because you can build something just the way you want it. Corey, thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. Pleasure yeah. to be here. Hey, now, Corey, the, some of the putters that uh, we've been having a look at—they are yeah. absolutely sensational. So, the first question to me, to, to, for from me to you, is: Is it all one piece, or are you actually putting the plumber's neck on yourself? Uh, most of them are milled one piece. Um, I generally, the uh, stainless steel or the carbon steel ones are one piece milled. Yeah. I do a little bit of welding next, some of the garage stuff and and uh, different uh, hosels and, and flow necks I weld. But most of the stuff's one piece. Milled. What's a flow neck? What's a flow neck? Uh, flow neck's a little shorter neck. Um, it's got. I, I bend that to a, a certain offset. Yeah. Whether it be a half shaft, full shaft. Though I've got a bit of flexibility where, where if it's one piece, then I, I, I don't get that tough flexibility. Right. And the plumber's, sorry, I should have said, the plumber's, the plumber's neck is the one that's in the old um, uh, answer putter. Correct. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a plumber's neck. Then, of course, you've got the putters these days where the shaft goes straight into the head. Yep, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's double bend, single bend shaft. So how long have you been doing this for? Uh, about eight, nine years. Um, yeah. Seriously sort of got into it. Um, in the mid two thousands, and uh, just made some handmade putters. A few guys liked those, and asked me if I could do a few more. And it slowly grew. And um, I went to night school, and I learned three D CAD modelling, and um, learned how to use my, my milling machine, and, and it sort of went from there. And just had a passion to, to create new putters and different styles, and, and it just grew and grew. So, so Corey, you got to know a little bit about machinery, and you got to know a bit about metals to use and what tell us a bit about your background how you managed to have the skills to be able to do this as well i um my father started engineering business yep. and i'm a tool maker by trade and uh so I, I sort of worked with steels and building dies and, and using all the sort of uh equipment that you've got in a, in a precision tool room that we've got and um and then i sort of had a, a passion to make things and um played golf Bought a couple of putters, uh, on a ping answer style, and it was a little bit too upright. I, I liked a flatter style, so I, I thought I'll, I'll make one for myself, yep. and and I uh, went from there. So, and Marco, just for our listeners that aren't necessarily understanding what we're talking about, but if you imagine a chunk of stainless steel or aluminium or a chunk of metal that is gradually being milled into a just a final shiny. Um, perfect, you know. Yeah, so a block of metal to what we're looking at. Of, of different designs, it's different moulds. Um, that's what this guy is doing. And you can put your initials in it. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, tell us about making the, the different types of putters and how do you do that? You have to create the mould. Is that right? Well, what I do is create a, a CAD model. 
Uh, What's that? What's that's, that? That's a, a computer-aided design. Right. It's a model on a computer. You um, you design your shape. Uh, it's, it's quite a bit of work to, to get the, your final shape. And then um, I generate uh, codes that enable the machine to read it and to machine that uh, that CAD model. Wow. So it, it, in, and when you generate the codes, you've got to cut the steel, uh, rough it out first and then semi-finish it and then finish it and then have the fine final cut so it, it, it really presents itself well, looks really good. And what about the inlays? I see some got like, like a copper inlay, yeah, you've got yeah. different inlays, you, you, you actually mill the face, you know, Correct. just like the, the biggest companies going around, they all mill the faces and I did notice that some of the milled faces are, they've got deeper grooves than others. So what's all the significance of the, uh, well, let's, let's start with the milled face. Why are some milled a little differently than others? I, I like to experiment. I have from the start with with different types of milling, different speeds and feeds on on the cutters that I use, um, just to get a different feel. And and because the putter's so individual, everyone likes something different. Someone might like a, a softer feel, so a deeper mill, which is less area contacts the ball, gives a softer feel. Um, and other person might like a, a more a clickier type. Um, feel so it's a flatter yeah. face, but I just experiment. And if guys come to me and say, "Listen, can you do this?" I try and accommodate them. Can you put an insert in it, like like this this old yeah. butter? Then I, I try and do that. So you got the copper inserts as well, and that, uh, that yeah, seems to be yeah. pretty popular. Now you go to lejossieputters.com.au and you can have a bit of a look around yeah, there. Yeah, that's and what what's on Facebook? Just while while, while we're doing the interview, so people can have uh, it's just Corey Lejossie Putters on Facebook. On, on Facebook, yeah, right, yeah. pretty simple. And that's got most of my, my latest stuff that I do. That, right, and nine forty nine eleven sixteen. I mean, if you've ever dreamt about owning a personalised putter that you know something you've imagined in your head, I wish they made a putter like this, or I wish you could put this on a putter. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. And ask, you know, maybe we can put the order in over the program, which would be great. And just also for our golf lovers out there, if you think of, say, a nice looking Yamada putter or a nice looking Kevin Burns putter, yeah, these these are what they looked like to me initially. And I don't know if I'm doing them injustice, Corey, or <laughs> no, no. whether I'm overinflating you or what there. But that's what they look. The quality of them is is pure. So oh, I like what you've done too, because it's one thing to to look at a putter and say I wouldn't mind making one like that, but the next step is actually just to do something a little different different add your own touch and i see some of your putters have got the high toe yes. which i absolutely like so some of them look like an old you know like an answer kind of classic or there's a b60 here as well and it's just got that beautiful little high toe yeah and just separates them from everybody else and that's that's kind of what you know it's nice to get a putter off the rack you know a beautiful one mm. but every once in a while like I, I was really lucky i had a couple of sand irons that were personalized i mean you must get a lot of people coming to you and your factory just you know, bouncing out of the joint when they when they, <laughs> they finally get this putter, it's just perfect. You know, it's got the stars or it's got their initials on it or or whatever the case is, it's got their special inlay. You know, I love the black shafts. You know, so they might have the black shaft in it as well. Whatever it whatever it is, they must come in, finally get it, have a few putts on the carpet there, and go, wow, this is unbelievable. Yeah, look, it's I I try and do what they ask. If there's a special request for something special, personalised, um, I usually like to accommodate them. Uh, it's it, it's it's I love to get the pleasure of giving someone uh, a, a putter that they can use that looks great. Uh, it's got their special memento on it, but also is functional. They get out there mm. on a Saturday comp and they can putt and and score well with it. So that's yeah. the main the main thing. There he is, Corey Lajossi. Yeah, and you yourself, uh, Craig Spence on Chasing Birdies. Craig Spence, so thank you. His mouth was watering mm. all the way through that little <laughs> special.
<laughs> his mouth was absolutely watering. Yep. But no, go have a look. Google the Jossie putters or just Google the Jossie and away you go. You'll see it all. Facebook. Brilliant. Go to Facebook, I think, is the best place okay. to have a look. Have a look. Mm. Marco's Masterclass is up Coming next. up next, buddy. What do you got for us? Oh, well, you talk about uh, having 41 points off perfect lies. Yep. We might go the other direction oh. in a tick. <laughs> Not sure about that. <laughs> Marco's Masterclass. Mark Allen is back. He's ready for a Masterclass, and we do it all for Club Mandalay Golf Course. It's Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north, and we thank Club Mandalay for their support of the clubhouse. And if you think golf in Melbourne, think Club Mandalay. Just 20 minutes from Melbourne Airport off the Hume Highway. Clubmandalay.com.au. Normally, it's off the back of Jason Day or Dustin Johnson or Jordan Spieth. Today, the Masterclass is is on the back of Jules Bayard's oh, no. 41 points <laughs> at Beacon Hills that brought him down to 7.8, even though they were playing the ball up, which means <laughs> last week, because it was a bit wet down here in Melbourne, Julian, mm, Jules, he got to play the ball up, which means he got uh, to wipe the mud off the ball and then just put it on a big, beautiful bit That's of grass it. and yep. do whatever he liked, and he <laughs> shot his 41 points. Now, uh, some of us don't have the luxury of playing no. the ball up. <laughs> and every once in a while, you've got to play from a howler. Yep. Of a lie, an absolute howler. And when you are playing golf from bad lies, it is very, very simple. No matter what it is, no matter whether it is a long iron, no matter whether it's a three wood, no matter whether it's a chip, a bunker shot, a pitch, no matter what it is, when you are playing golf from bad lies, the ball goes back two inches and at address, your hands go forward two inches. And what that does is it makes the club come down on a steeper uh, trajectory. Yep. Uh, the way you come into the ball is steeper, um, and that way you won't get some of the divot, and you'll still hit the ball reasonably. Reasonably. Now, the other thing from hitting from bad lies is you're not going to hit perfect shots. So you've got to have that picture in your mind. One of the great things that golfers do is that they are able to diagnose every line, every lie that their ball is in. They can look at the line, and they know what's possible. So that's very important for amateur golfers to know as well. When you are in a bad lie, you've got to understand that not that beautiful high draw might not be possible. It's going to come out low and probably stinky. You know, it's going to be a rotten shot. So even though you're in a bad lie, just understand that the best case scenario is that you probably hit it a little bit thin and the ball comes out a little bit low. So if there's a bunker in the way and you're not going to carry that bunker, aim out to the right. Yeah. So they're very important things. Even the theory of moving the ball back two inches and moving your hands forward two inches, that actually applies as well when you're in rough. So if your ball is sitting down in rough, don't just stand over it like normal. I mean, it's not a normal shot. So, again, put the ball back, back. hands back to, forward. Hands forward. That is it. And play from there. Just do your best from there. But know that you know, you're not going to put spin on the ball coming out of the long rough. Yep. Bunker shot's exactly the same. Put the ball back, hands forward. And probably when you're in a bunker, you probably have to use your wrists a little bit more as well on the way back. But understand that you're not going to hit that beautiful high shot. It's going to come out low. Yep. So, you know, if you've, if you've got a situation where the ball's going to come out low out of a bunker, uh, if there's a bunker right behind the hole where you're going, aim left. Don't mm. just hit it across. And, you know, you've just got to know what is possible from that lie. So being able to diagnose lies as well as know how to hit the ball out of a bad lie is very important. Critical tip, Marco. You would have had... How many points if you were playing the ball down last week instead of the 41? 22. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe down to 7.8. Maybe 22. Maybe Very good. If you get down to 6, I'll tell you what, if you get down to 6, I'll give you a LaJossi putter. Really? How's that? Yep, I'll give you one. Okay. 
In fact, I'll give you one anyway. Right. <laughs> I'll give you a little Jossie putter anyway. You're down to 7.8. You're going well. So I'll, I'll bring it in next week for you. Play Melbourne's newest golf course, Club Mandalay. No bad lies there, Marco. None. Green fees, seven days a week. Clubmandalay.com.au. It's been great to have you back. Yes, looking forward to the British Open next open week. preview, Marco. Do you know there's been one country, one country that has won the last six Opens at Royal Troon? Do you know what country that is? You're about to tell me. USA. Really? USA. So Hamilton won it last time I was there. Leonard time before. Uh, now I'm reaching. I know Weisskopf won it. I know Watson won it. And I know that Arnold Palmer won it. And Kelkovecchia won it. So there's your six Americans. The last six times that it was played at Royal Troon, those boys had had a win. So look for an American player maybe this week as That's well. That's it. Looking forward to it. Good on you, buddy. Next week we'll have a good look at that. Be back, Marco. See you next time. Talking all things golf. This has been the Clubhouse. We'll see you next week.